Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies. And I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited about the topic today. The title of this episode is, Do You Know What Motivates You? And we are going to be discussing inspiration, motivation, what gets you out of bed, what allows you to do your greatest work and reach your greatest potential. And a big key to that is becoming aware of and then unlocking your three key motivators. So we'll get into all of that shortly. But first, I want to encourage you, if you are a podcast listener and you haven't subscribed to the newsletter yet, please do that. It is in the show notes. And in April, I'm doing a newsletter giveaway, which is a guide to astrology for your career that I wrote up. And that will only be sent to newsletter listeners. I believe it should be coming out sometime mid to early April. So just to be sure, sign up now and we'll get started. So first off, let's talk about why this actually matters why it is important to feel inspired and motivated. I think the first question is, what is inspiration anyway? What are we talking about when we use this word that's tossed around fairly commonly? Let's define it. Essentially, inspiration is a state of being when you are excited by and connected to your work in your own way. So think about what that means. It means that there's energy there. You're excited by your work. You're connected to it. And the final part of that sentence is a little bit more precise. And I don't know if we all think about this, but it is to be excited by and connected to your work in your own way. And what in your own way means is that the way that you are inspired is unique because we each have a combination of unique motivators that lead us to feeling not only inspired, but happy, energetic, and fulfilled when it comes to our work. For instance, you might imagine five different people who all have the same role. There are lots of jobs where many people have that same job, even that same role within the same company. So essentially responsible for the same set of responsibilities as the three other people next to you. But the beautiful part is that all those five people most likely have very, very different reasons why they would feel fulfilled, inspired, and motivated by their work. Let's say you have three people who are in sales roles. One person might be really motivated by altruism. He or she really wants to help the potential customers and to listen to their needs, to empathize with their problems, and then find the right solution to them. And then another person on that very same team with that very same job might be really motivated by science and analytics, where they're really excited to sell a product that makes such a big difference when it comes to making rational decisions for the customers. And perhaps the third person is really influenced by power, meaning they love to have agency, they love to be able to be proactive, and there's a lot of independence and flexibility that comes with a sales role 
where they're free to make all their own decisions and to make their own strategic choices for their job as long as they're pulling in the numbers that are expected of them. So you can see in that very brief example how we can all show up very differently and perceive the benefits of our work really differently than the person next to us. It's what makes us really special. It's why we humans are fantastic. And because we are all different in terms of what motivates and inspires us, it's really important to be intentional and self-aware and curious about what those motivators are, because knowing them has really big implications to your happiness and fulfillment. So for instance, people who feel more inspired report better absorption in their tasks and are more open to new experiences at work. They also have a stronger intrinsic drive to master their work. So they feel more called to dig in, get good at it. And that comes from within, not from without of a boss telling you what it is to do. And then finally, inspired people also inspire those around them. So figuring out how to inspire yourself is really critical to connecting with your highest potential. I think also... A lot of people don't know what it is that truly, truly motivates them. And so they wind up looking at the wrong things when they're considering jobs or even considering careers. And then they get sort of pulled into these situations of work where they thought that it would make them happy, but it really didn't. And they can't quite figure out why. And so my goal with this conversation is not only to help you make the right choices for yourself, but then to also get the most out of yourself when you are in those choices. Now I'm going to dig into the meat of it, and I'm going to talk about the eight key motivators. And I want you to pay attention as I'm going through each one and take notes about which ones really resonate with you. There might be a handful of them. You might even feel drawn to almost all of them. (laughs) But at the end of the day, you're gonna pick three, three key ones that you feel most connected to. And what you'll notice when I go through these motivators is we're not talking about things like title and salary and health benefits. Of course, those things are motivating, but they are what I call hygiene motivators. They're sort of the bare minimum of what you need to be happy, right? Like you need to be able to afford to live off of your salary. You also need to feel like you're cared for from a health perspective. You need to have a title that you feel like is in alignment with what you're doing and who you are. So those are all external, superficial, very, very important things, but they're more about hygiene than they are about the inner motivation. They're external. And all the ones we're going to be talking about now come from within. They're related to your values and what you find deeply important in the world aside from those hygiene motivators. Okay, so the first motivator we're talking about is recognition. And this one's nice, right? (laughs) It's about getting the appreciation, the acknowledgement, and the visibility that you feel is motivating to you. So this might mean that you have a boss who is really intentional and really good about telling you what you're doing well. Could be that you are in a high visibility role where you get a lot of external recognition to what you're doing. It could also just be that you work in a culture where people are very vocal about celebrating wins and achievements. So there are many different ways to scratch this itch and then you might have your own unique ones. And one way to tell if this is a core motivator for you is that not only do you like to receive recognition, but you also like to give it out too. 
since it's a motivator for you, you act as if it's a motivator for other people. So are you the type of person who is very vocal about telling someone on your team that they did a great job or acknowledging that someone else at your company stayed late one night to help you on a project? And is it important for you when you're interacting with other people to vocally recognize what it is that they're doing? If so, this might be a key motivator for you. The next one is power. And this definitely doesn't mean that you are power hungry. It's more that you have agency in what you're doing. So you're someone who doesn't like to be told what to do. You're not someone who wants to just be a cog in the wheel. You have to know that you have the ability to make a real impact in whatever it is that you're doing and that you also have the authority to decide how you do it. A lot of my clients who are all founders of tech startups have a really high power score and that's a big reason why it was really hard for them to work for anyone else, right? (laughs) Even if they had a lot of agency and autonomy, they still felt like it wasn't enough to have to run everything by a boss. So they chose a really risky path because they valued what they got from it and that was the ability to be their own boss. I have a very high power score too, which is why I work for myself. And it's why also, if I truly feel like I will not be able to help someone who wants to work with me as a client, I will say no if I think there's someone better out there for them, because I don't want to work with them if I'm not going to be the best person to deliver an impact, even if I'm still getting paid to do it. And I know that power is an important motivator for me because when I do work with people, I give them a lot of free reign. I hate telling them what to do. I assume that they hate me telling them what to do. And so I always try to say, you know, what do you think? It's really up to you. Why don't you make that call? The next motivator is altruism. This is also one of my main key motivators. And this is pretty straightforward. It's about helping others, providing service, coaching, working in that interpersonal dynamic where you are someone who is supporting someone else. And it's an interesting one because I do think that a lot of times as women, we feel like this is our motivator or society tells us that this should be our motivator. And so if you are feeling really drawn to thinking that altruism might be one of your core motivators, take a second and step back and think, okay, do I really feel this way? Or is this the expectation that has been put upon me by the patriarchy? And just remember that altruism could be really important to you but maybe it's not your top, top motivator. Maybe it's just a supporting one, but you feel like it's your top one because you've been pushed over the edge by people who tell you, whether consciously or unconsciously, that that's where your value is. For me, it's probably my second motivator. My first one is one that we'll get to later. But anyway, just wanted to flag that for everyone. The fourth motivator is relatedness. And this is about being part of a team. So do you really like your relationships? Do you enjoy teamwork? Do you crave a feeling of belonging in an organization? Are you someone who wants their identity to be a part of something, right? Do you like being part of a group? Do you want to participate in some larger organization? If so, relatedness might be one of your top motivators. People who care a lot about relatedness often are very loyal. They stay at organizations for a long time. They care about the culture. They care about making people feel included. They care that the place they work has a very specific viewpoint on how they treat their employees. 
And so if you know that relatedness is something you care about, it's really important to dig into what it's actually like for people who work there, not just in terms of their core responsibilities, but also the way that they socialize and the way that they come together and the way that they work as a team. The fifth motivator that we're going to talk about is security. So are you someone who likes structure, order, and predictability? Do you like to know what is coming down the path? Do you like to know a clear frame for how you're going to advance within the organization? And similarly, just as we've done with all these other motivators, you can tell if it's a really core one to you based on whether or not you feel inclined to provide this for other people. So when you are working with other people or even in your personal life, do you like to be the purveyor of structure and order? Are you the person who is making sure everyone understands the situation, that the rules are outlined, that there's a clear process to work from? And I really get how this is very satisfying. I love bringing order and control to situations. It's definitely not one of my key motivators because I've made a lot of choices that seemingly fly in the face of predictability and security and control, but I like it. (laughs) It's something I really enjoy. It makes me feel safe, even though it's not a key motivator. So go ahead and have a think right now about how much this one resonates with you. Okay, so the next motivator is aesthetics. And I want to explain this one because it's not just about that you care how things look, that you're a designer or an artist. What aesthetics truly means is it's about how much you care about having authorship. Do you want to have a POV? Do you want to be the person who has a unique take on whatever it is you're doing? Do you care about the quality, the product look and feel, the style of something. And for me, this is one of my main key motivators. I actually think it's my top, top motivator. I actually don't really care that much about how things look physically. I'm not someone who notices (laughs) how something is designed. I actually don't care that much. My husband is the one who makes our house look really beautiful and I appreciate it. But where this comes into my job is that I need to be the one coming up with ideas. I need to have authorship, which is, I think, a big reason why my work has felt even more fulfilling now that I have rolled in this aspect of writing, where doing the coaching work really helped me scratch my itch of altruism, helping other people. Running my own company helped me with my power motivator. And now with writing this book, I finally feel like I've been able to fulfill this motivator of aesthetics, which I've always kind of gotten close to. For instance, when I was the head of a team, when I worked in venture capital, I felt like it got close because I got to come up with a strategy for the team, come up with the concepts behind the work that we were doing. I got to make the calls, but I didn't have the same freedom of creativity that I do now that a big core of my work is writing, where I can spend long amounts of time thinking about what my opinion is. How do I see the world? And then how can I express how I see it in my unique way? And so if you are someone who is motivated by aesthetics, then you probably care about other people's perspectives as well. You want to hear their opinions. You want to hear their takes on things. Maybe you're interested in learning about artists. You like to go to the museum. You like to read books. In some way, you are curious about exploring other people's POVs, whatever that might mean to you in whatever medium or industry you've chosen. 
The seventh motivator is science. And what science means is that you really care about analytics and you make your decisions in a data-driven way. And this doesn't necessarily mean that you work in a data-driven role, right? So it doesn't mean that you have to be a data analyst or work in business operations or finance, but you care about what's true. You care about what's real. You care about what the numbers say and what they mean. And I have a client who really interestingly enough is equally split between science and aesthetics. She is not a scientist by trade, but she has very, very high scores on a test that I do called the Hogan for all my clients. It's personality assessment. She scores really, really high in aesthetics and really, really high in science as well. And this is unusual. We tend to fall into one or the other, and it's really nice to see her activate on both. And so what I wanted to express is the two are not actually mutually exclusive. They're not opposites. So it doesn't mean that if you are really data-driven, you don't care about aesthetics and vice versa, you know, that does coexist in people. And it's really nice when it happens. So don't feel like you have to pick one or the other. It's not a binary. Okay. And the final motivator is competency. And so this means that you care about mastery expertise, learning, and growth. You are really motivated by getting super good and becoming an expert in something. And the way you can think about whether this has been true for you is your school studies. So someone who cares about recognition, more about competence, might just do whatever they need to do to get the A or the B, whatever grade they want. And then someone who really cares about competence will become almost obsessive over a topic that they really care about. And they'll wanna do a lot of research into it, make sure that they're super right, and make sure that they really understand it to the point where they feel like they can speak really fluently or with expertise about it. Has this been the case for you? Are you someone who has had a love of learning for the topics that you care a lot about? Will you go and do lots of research and lots of study about something just because you're interested in it for the sake of learning? If this is you, then you probably want to work in an organization that really cares about competence as well. Honestly, it's a little tougher in early stage tech companies where time is so short and you have to move so quickly that's a little bit more about like, let's just do good enough, right? And so this might actually create friction for you if competence really, really matters to you because there just might not be the time to dig in and get everything perfect when you can get it to like 80% and that serves your purposes well enough. So looking for places where either the product is dependent on a high level of competence and mastery or where the culture has really been oriented towards expertise, mastery, and competence will be really important for you. You might know that this is a core motivator for you if you feel frustrated when people don't meet your level of expertise and mastery, or they seem not to care about the importance of it. I have a friend, and I think that one of her core motivators is competence, because one time I sent her a job posting for a role at CoStar to be a technical astrologer within CoStar. And she's a fantastic astrologer. She's also a Virgo. She's so smart. She's so perfectionistic. And I sent it to her and she said, you know, I actually do not feel like I have the right amount of mastery here. There are some people who are much better than I am. And the thing is, she's so good at everything that she does. It's insane. And it's not by chance. It's because she cares a lot about self-study, a lot about growth, a lot about mastery. 
So here we have it. These are the eight core motivators. I'll just go through them really quickly again. Recognition, which is about appreciation, acknowledgement, visibility, power, which is about having agency and control over your work. Altruism, which is concerned with helping others. Relatedness, that's about being part of something, be, being part of a team, an organization, belonging. Security, which cares about structure, order, and predictability. Aesthetics, which is the quality and the look and feel, but not just that, it's also about authorship. Science, which is, as the name implies, about analytics and making data-driven choices and decisions. And then the last one is competency. Do you care about mastery and growth? So now I encourage you to perhaps pause this podcast episode and just really sit with it for a little while. Maybe make a list of your top five, think about it, mull it over, consider whether or not you just like receiving that type of motivator in your own life, or if you also feel inclined to give it to others, because that's a big indicator that might be a core one for you. Not only do you like to receive recognition, but you also like to give it out to other people. Not only do you like to help other people, but you really acknowledge it when other people are helpful towards you or towards others. Or perhaps, you know, you care a lot about science and analytics and you really appreciate it when other people approach you in a structured, data-driven manner as well. And so now once you have your top three, think about how much fulfillment of those motivators you get to experience in your day-to-day right now. For instance, I actually gave a keynote workshop on this topic this past week, and afterwards, one of the executives came up to me and she said, what I realized is that aesthetics is my number one top motivator but I never really get to express that in my day-to-day because I assume that my job doesn't value it. So I focus on my two other motivators and I just came to the conclusion during this workshop that that's why I feel so de-energized sometimes is because I'm not giving enough care and attention to nurturing my number one motivator. And I think that that's so true for us, right? We can do our jobs in all sorts of ways. As we mentioned about those salespeople before, three people doing the same job, but one is motivated by power, one is motivated by altruism, and one is motivated by science. And so you can look at the work that you're doing today and see how you can embed and imbue your day-to-day work with your motivators so that you feel more connected to your work and you feel more energized throughout your day. And I've actually been doing this a lot myself now that I have officially finished writing my book, which is very exciting. There were many, many rounds of edits starting in essentially September when I turned the book in till now. So it's been about six months on and off of edits. We've done five rounds, both me and the people at Penguin Random House. So it's been a lot of work where I've been focused on the aesthetics version of my work, the writing and the authorship. And then now the work is changing into marketing. So how can I get my book out there and make sure people know that it exists so they can potentially buy it and enjoy it? And I really shy away from that recognition is really one of my lowest motivators. I 
do not feel motivated by recognition at all. For those of you who know about astrology, I have actually zero planets in Leo. I have no aspects to my Leo house either. And so I don't really like putting myself out there. I find it a little bit uncomfortable. Like, who am I? Who cares? No one cares about me. I'm just a normal person and I'm not special in any way. So why should I take up more airtime than other people? And obviously I have this podcast and I have my Instagram account, which are fairly public, but on the Reset NYC Instagram, I really pretty much never show my face. And the whole purpose of it is to scratch my altruism itch. I always think, how can I provide content that helps other people to reach their greatest potential? So you see a lot of quotes, a lot of charts and diagrams that help explain philosophical concepts. You have a lot of ideas on the page that I think other people will resonate with. And even in this podcast, it's very much about how can I uplift other people to achieve their greatest potential? Every time I sit down to record, I say a little prayer about my work and it helps me really to get into the right motivational mindset. I think this really illustrates my altruism perspective. And this is my prayer for work that I say after I light some incense. May I transform my personal learnings into concepts and frameworks that support others. May my belief in their talent help my clients, podcast listeners, and readers reach their greatest potential. May I grow in wisdom, abundance, and love every day as I encourage others to do the same. And this just helps to center me. And so where I've been struggling is wrapping my mind around the idea of marketing the book, putting myself out there, while also staying true to my core motivators, largely of altruism, aesthetics, and power. And what I've been doing is I've had this major breakthrough. (laughs) And what my breakthrough was is that in marketing the book, I can actually scratch my altruism itch. It's my way of helping people know that this book exists out there. And also in the process of marketing it, hopefully I can provide some helpful content that can energize, uplift others, and help them to believe in themselves. So it may sound overly simplistic, But as soon as I could connect the work of marketing my book to altruism, I felt like I had a huge breakthrough and everything unlocked. And I suddenly felt excited to do all these marketing activities that I previously had been feeling a lot of dread around. And so what I want to ask you to do is to reflect on your three top motivators. Think about the one that is getting the least amount of airtime in your life right now that can use a little bit of a boost and some TLC in your life and to explore some ideas about how you can add more of this motivator in your life, how you can scratch your itch. And then conversely, if there are responsibilities that are on your plate that you don't feel as naturally excited about or drawn to, is there a way to connect them cognitively to your motivators and to maybe even write a little prayer for work for yourself so that you are centered, you're clear, and you're connected to your motivators as soon as you sit down to do that task. You deserve to feel inspired. You deserve to feel motivated. You deserve to be excited by your work. And so I hope some of this information enables you to do that and give yourself some love and attention. And finally, as we always say at the end of this podcast, don't forget to listen to yourself to love yourself, 
and to say yes to life so that life can say yes to you. Thank you so much for being here and I will see you again in two weeks.